All right, everyone, welcome back to the Locked On Gators podcast, your daily home for Florida Gators coverage, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall, and I think I just lied a little bit in our intro. Uh, It's not been too daily as of late. Uh, With the holidays and and the time in between Florida's bowl game, Demetrius and I had caught a little bit of a break. Uh, Demetrius had also been a bit sidelined at that point, and it was just tough for us to record. Uh, With that being said, we are back, and we're going to be back on a consistent schedule as we enter this Florida Gators offseason. So if you want consistent coverage, you can follow me at Zach underscore Goodall on Twitter. You can follow my co-host Demetrius Harvey at Demetrius82. And most importantly, follow the show at Locked on Gators. Demetrius, how are you doing, pal? I'm doing all right. And you know what? I hope you guys enjoyed whatever our last episode of the Locked on Gators (laughs) podcast was. I'm sorry that we haven't been active. Like Zach said, I was under the weather. I had the vid-19, as Kevin Hart would say. Um, I had COVID, so it, it took it took a lot out of me, you know, mentally, physically, and, and just everything. You know, I was able to still write for our website, allgators.com, uh, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, and it, it, it's been, you know, rough, but I'm recovered now, and I feel good, and now we're back at it with the podcast. We have a bunch to talk about. The Gators obviously have been in the news since we've last talked, and there's been a lot that's gone on, and we're here to give you the coverage, and I hope you guys will stick around with us. I'm hoping you guys stick around, too. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason, I'm sure, uh, as we dissect this team and as we look forward to 2021. But first, we're going to dissect Florida's Cotton Bowl performance and everything that happened after, because, of course, there were national headlines. We got, we're all used to it this season from Dan Mullen and company. Uh, were they a little bit overblown? Uh, we'll be getting to that, but first... Demetrius, this game, everyone knew going in Florida was going to be down, I mean, pretty much their entire offense other than Kyle Trask. And just, uh, of course, they were going to be huge underdogs, and they played like they were. I don't know why anyone was really surprised. Yeah, I mean, there there shouldn't have been any surprise. They were underdogs going into the game, especially as the opt-outs continued to flow in. Uh, Kyle Pitts wasn't going to play. Everybody already had known that. And then, you know, you got the Kadarius Tony opt out, the Trayvon Grimes opt out. And then, you know, Jacob Copeland had COVID. Uh, basically, their entire, you know, offensive skill players were were gone besides the, the running backs. And we know that Florida doesn't really run the ball or they didn't this year. So there's just no reason to expect that to suddenly become the norm. Um, it just it just was a performance from the offensive side of the football that I kind of expected and from the defensive side. But, you know, the defensive side, they didn't really have too many opt-outs. Yeah, there were some for sure. I'm not going to, you know, say there weren't. Then there was, you know, Sean Davis with, you know, he was out. So it's just a, a troubling times to see the defense give up that many yards. You still don't want to see that kind of performance because the same things crept up out of position, you know, just – looked unprepared uh, the team as a whole too it, it just it just wasn't a good game the worst game that they played all year easily by far I don't know I'm I'm with you I mean I don't I feel like there's not even too much you can really assess from the game like you could go through and you could pick out a handful of young guys that did make some plays I mean Chris Bogle had yeah. himself a game yes probably the best defender on the field throughout the night. And, and that's what you want to see out of a sophomore, out of a guy that you want to become an integral part of your pretty thin defensive line uh, moving forward at least. Derek Wingo came in, and he, he got some limited snaps, uh, but he played some early on. He helped f- with Bogle uh, force a fumble on a sack on Spencer Rattler. Uh, so at least some defensive pieces uh, came out and did some stuff. I mean, Jeremy Crawshaw 
the punter. Even he got he yeah. got two, one that he pinned down at the Oklahoma. I'm having fun just like I said, you can just kind of pick out your handful or whatever. But it is tough to make a full future assessment off this game. And that is what Mullen tried to sell it as afterwards. They wanted to see what the scout team, quote unquote, would uh would look like against a team that didn't have many opt outs. A really young team that had bought into the young team um just mantra and really gelled and ended up being a real dominant team throughout the year as it went on and they got past their their growing pains at the start of the year, I guess. So would you agree at least that it becomes mm. hard to assess these players at this point? Yeah, and and the thing is, I, I don't know how much Dan Mullen actually wanted to assess their play as in, you know, how are they actually going to look moving forward? I think, you know, Fair. you can kind of spot assess players. You, you, can, you can see a guy, oh, well, he does a good job there. He does something there because they haven't been able to play these guys. They haven't had a spring game. So to, to use this as a spring game, I can see it, but it's still a bowl game. I mean, it's a New Year's Six bowl game. But I don't think that that's the mentality a program should necessarily have. I get that. Uh, for some reason, you know, over the years, the bowl games, besides the the big two or the big whatever, have become, you know, kind of cast aside. No one necessarily cares about them moving on to the next season kind of thing. Um, but this this was also a game where you could have, you know, showcased a little bit more than what they did. Uh, I will say, though, you're right. Chris Bogle, guys like that. Hopper was coming in there. Even a guy like Trey Dean to me, you know, he's been often criticized but he's been able to come in and he's made some plays, you know, tackling. Uh, he had the interception against Alabama. I understand that he fumbled right after, but it's just, just like little plays like that. I thought it was good to see, you know, the the, the younger guys and then a guy like Trey Dean, who's more of a veteran, uh, come in and, and, and make some plays. So I think that, you know, there was a mixed bag, especially on the defense, especially in the first half compared to the second half, just a, a mixed bag performance in terms of individuals. But I did think it was good to get them some experience. Now, a lot of national media did pick Dan Mullen apart for those post game comments, uh, mm. saying that they weren't a complete, or they hadn't been, the, the 2020 team hadn't played in 11 days. And, you know, I get it. He's made himself look like a villain all year to the national media. And, and, and we both agree with points where he gets picked apart. But it's it did seem like a stretch because everyone saw it coming. The line flipped in Oklahoma's favor by a total of 11 points before like two days before the game. It, it just seemed like it did get a bit carried away. Absolutely. It did. I mean, just like a little background information or like a behind the scenes, like before the games or when the game officially starts, I start to write the halftime report. And my opening line was the biggest storyline coming into today's game is that Florida is essentially out on most of its offensive stars, you know, a few defenders, uh, there was a lot going against this Florida Gators team. I thought that everybody was aware of that and understood that, but it seemed as though, you know, when Mullen did say after the game how he was trying to make this more of a scout game type game or a spring ball type game, whatever, you know, the words he actually chose basically to evaluate the young guys, people picked him apart. They said, no, this is the same team, but it, it really wasn't. Besides Kyle Trask, who didn't play the entire game, uh, there really wasn't much on the offense. Even the offensive line was different from what we've seen most of the time, at least after the Lance got pulled. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that that's going to be one of the things that we're going to talk about a lot as we get into mm -hmm. the off season is the offensive changes, especially the offensive line. Demetrius and I were having some off pod talks earlier about the mm -hmm. offensive line and 
<laughs> yep. It's just, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as we do look forward to this off season, uh, we can put this cotton bowl behind us. Uh, Florida's doing it too. They've not made it official, but moves are starting to get reported as to what they're doing with their coaching staff. So when we come back from this short break, we will be breaking it all down as far as what's out there. What's going on, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. And yes, the football season, both college and pro, it is coming to a close soon, but there are some games left. There are some awards that are left to be handed out, and that's why we want to send you over to betonline.ag because we know you want to get on on the action as well. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON, no space, for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, Obviously, we have the NFL playoffs and we have the college football playoff, but probably the odds that really stick out to me the most right now are the Heisman Trophy odds is Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. His odds have doubled since the night that finalists were announced for the Heisman Trophy. It just doesn't really make much sense as voting has been closed, but he is very clearly the long shot now. So if you want to throw a couple bucks on him, hoping that as an underdog he can pull it off as he's done throughout his entire career, make sure to make it over to betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% off welcome bonus offer with your first deposit. All right, so as we enter this offseason, a lot of people, and we talked about the defense, you mentioned it, all the same mistakes we've seen throughout the year. A lot of people were thinking that it was time for Todd Grantham to go. A lot of people were expecting him to go. Does not seem like that's the case. In fact, Thomas Goldcamp at Swamp 247 reported that it is expected Florida will hold on to Grantham. It's it's not set in stone just yet. There's a lot of going off of you know the staff directory. And right now, Grantham's still on it. However, there are two assistants that are not, which uh, Goldcamp reported as secondary coaches. Cornerback Torian Gray and safeties coach Ron English are no longer with the staff. Uh, it's ex- not exactly clear why or how each coach has been let go or not coming back one way or another. The school will, I'm sure, confirm that at one point, but they are not on the directory anymore. Demetrius, I, I don't know yep. about how you feel about it, but I, I think – this at least feels a bit like a scapegoat when it comes to one of the coaches. The other one definitely makes sense, but as a whole, there are massive defensive issues, and so far only two assistants gone. Yeah. I mean, the idea of keeping Todd Grantham, I'm not even sure if Gators Twitter is, is ready to accept that until Dan Mullen comes out and says that, you know, he's, he's staying. Like, this has been uh, something that Gator fans – clearly really wanted throughout the season and with reason. I mean, look at how poorly the defense performed all year. I mean, I get that there were times and I've written about them. Um, I get reminded of that every single week now. I've written about them improving at times, which they did. Uh, but as a whole, they, they were they were not good. They weren't good enough. They didn't seem prepared enough. And that's on the coach. Uh, the Gators players did come out in his defense, specifically Chris Bogle, Mahmoud Diabade, uh Trey Dean, all of them came out and said, you know, 
Grantham's a great coach. He stays after. He works hard. He does what he needs to do, and it's up to the players to get the job done, which is true. But you have to also assume that there's some preparation time being put in. There's players being offsides all the time or you know, not equipped to handle a certain coverage or doing this and that. The, the player's performance can be directly correlated to how they're taught. So uh, for Grantham to stay, it is a bit surprising to me, but at the same time, it is what it is. And now you've gotten two secondary coaches, both secondary coaches gone. Uh, Ron English, like you said, was a not too surprising at all because of how poorly the safeties played this year. Even going into last year, uh, I've had an issue with how they were, they rotated the safeties. I remember reading or listening to a – I guess it was the the press conferences of English talking about the rotation and Grantham talking about the rotation. They were clearly not on the same page. So this seems like it was a long time coming. Torin Gray, I mean, the cornerback coach, it, that one was a surprise. Look at how the corners play. Kyrie Elam was great this year. Even Jadon Hill was good, you know, and then they have the safeties back there. So you're right. Kind of does seem like a little bit of a scapegoat there. It seemed like they were a package deal. Um, and I guess they're both gone. They're going to figure out moving forward. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, and people point to the cornerback room regressing a bit. Yeah, you, you can say that about Marco Wilson especially. You also have to consider he was playing two positions throughout the year, um, and the other position he was playing, nickel cornerback, the star role, that is not Gray's responsibility. That is actually a position that English coaches and recruits for. And whether or not that made Wilson regress, you know, I'll leave that up to you to decide, but I personally think he played better last year, his first year off of the injury, than he did this year, although he wasn't perfect. And with that being said, you also do have to look to recruiting. Uh, with, And we're going to talk a little bit more about recruiting later, but I'll tease it now, at least Florida's lost out on two five-star corners in the 2022 class since Gray was let go. I mean, it, it lined up where Sam McCall decommitted a couple hours before the report came out with Gray. So the writing was on the wall. Everyone knew with English already because at that point, English had waxed his uh, his Twitter profile. There was no Gator stuff left on there. Yeah. Um, and so he was gone. And then the next day, Jaheim Singletary, guy that grew up a Gator fan. He is from the Jacksonville in-state DB. Florida was his leader a year ago. He commits to Ohio State, a school he's never even visited. It tells you that, yeah, Florida's not very great at recruiting as a whole, but they had one guy that was doing it pretty damn well. And mm -hmm. at the same time, when you consider all the context, the cornerback position really was not a problem for this team. If you look at the defense and you scan from top to bottom, the last thing you're going to really complain about is the cornerback position. Maybe, maybe you can get away with it on the defensive end, although the depth is not that great there, but I think it's corner. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, and I know that uh, Henderson was only with Gray for one year, but, you know, for him to be a top 10 pick and, and maintain his skills, you know, for the most part, at least during his final season at Florida, and then to have the the emergence of Kyrie Elam, which was all Gray um, in terms of teaching from last year to this year, and to see his, you know, rise and play, because, you know, Kyrie Elam played last year in 2019, but he didn't play too much. You know, he didn't play – uh, every single game or star all the time or anything like that. It was really near the end of the year when people started to, to hype him up a little bit, especially in that bowl game. So then to come in this year and become the true number one cornerback and never look back, I thought that that's a, just a case of great coaching. And then, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk more about the recruiting um, in the next segment. But 
you're right. You know, having McCall and Singletary both decommit right after Gray um, is either let go or, or mutually parted ways or however he's gone from the Florida staff uh, just is, you know, a clear indication of, you know, failed recruiting in terms of, uh, you know, not retaining the person that actually brought in these kids. And that's who you want. You want to evaluate these coaches based on not only their ability to coach the on field talent, but also to get the recruits in here and, you know, make it like, it's crazy. Like the, the Gators aren't a team that's in the top five in recruiting and look at how the season's played out. You want these recruits. So yeah, you definitely it's be do. interesting. Now what will remain to be seen is who replaces English and who replaces gray. Uh, there's, Indications out there that Travaris Robinson, the defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach at South Carolina, would, is a leading candidate. Uh, that's something I've heard as well. I've heard his name connected to Florida actually for a little bit. Uh, I would say extending beyond the Cotton Bowl. Or, yeah, before the Cotton Bowl. And, and with that being said, you know, that would be a great hire in terms of you could get one guy to run the defensive back room and yeah, you can look at South Carolina and say that their passing defense has not been that great. However, J.C. Horn is going to be a first-round corner right. this year. Uh, at the same time, he also – Robinson, that is. He was at Florida back in the early 2000s uh, – or 2010s with Will Muschamp. Recruited a lot of great talents like Vernon Hargreaves, Quincy Wilson, Keanu Neal. It, Florida got a huge DBU argument when Robinson was here last time. And obviously, I have no clue at this point if – he will be a hire, but he has been reported as a serious candidate. And while I do say that losing Gray is a big deal, that is a really nice replacement. It would be a nice replacement to have a guy that's, you know, already had success, plenty of success uh, in the past at Florida even, you know, to, to, to be able to have that at least um, as a continuity kind of thing. And, and, you know, a guy that at least the, 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 the school as a whole understands and knows and and you can just look at his body of work you know like you said his work with jc horn who's probably going to be a first round pick or if he's not early second round pick um, it's just been great so having that as a replacement for both of these guys would actually be good uh we'll see how he does in terms of his recruiting Um, like you said before he's been doing here he's done well in florida in the past so i don't see why it wouldn't be uh, if he is the if he is going to be the hire, um, w- one thing I've always thought too is that I understand sometimes separating these defensive backs, you know, cornerback coach and then a safeties coach. I mean, they do it in the NFL too. The Jaguars have two guys coaching, you know, say or one guy coaching safeties, one, one guy coaching cornerbacks. I get it, but I, I also think that there's a there there's something added to having the secondary coach as a whole uh, with one guy, one voice. So. You know, it, that that might be another thing that can help this team. So I guess we'll just see moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, getting the chemistry between all five positions, it very clearly wasn't there. Marco Wilson messed up a lot on his own, but you could see plenty of times he was a vocal one when things didn't go wrong across the entire secondary. He'd throw his arms mm-hmm. up and let people know that there was some sort of miscommunication. And that's a great point. It, they could also go and make a hire at another crucial position, maybe get – Another assistant with the offensive line, uh, hmm. even if you keep Hevesy as your run game coordinator or something of the sort, you can get an interior and an exterior recruiter at that point. Because we, like we were saying earlier, they could certainly use <laughs> some offensive line recruits. And mm-hmm. that would bring some great balance all around. I, I think that's a really good point. Speaking of offensive line recruiting, that's uh, that's in our next 
segment as well. There was another miss for Florida on the trail uh, when we record this on Saturday, at least. Um, with that being said, when we come back from this quick break, we will let you guys know all about it. All right, guys, it's time to get real. I'm sick and tired of going to the storefronts, looking for a car part, and I can't find it. I don't care how many different cars there are in America right now. And no, I don't want to wait 10 business days for you to find my part either. I'm over it. That's why I've started to go on rockauto.com. I don't even have to leave my place. I can just log on, find my part, and get it. On top of having to wait forever at a store, they upcharge you upwards to 30, 50, maybe 100% more than rockauto.com. That's ridiculous. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Rockauto.com. Make your life easier. Make the storefront's life harder. Go get your stuff. Rockauto.com. So there was McCall's decommitment, New Year's Day celebration. There was Jaheim Singletary on January 2nd deciding to go to Ohio State. And also, just shortly before Singletary, offensive tackle prospect Tristan Lay ended up committing and signing with Clemson uh, during the All-American Bowls signing ceremony as there wasn't actually a game this year due to COVID. Uh, I personally didn't see Lay ending up being a Gator when it was all said and done, although they did have some momentum uh, by the end. I thought he was either going to end up, uh, I, I personally thought it was going to be Oklahoma, but one way or another, he goes to a place where he is definitely needed, as we saw on uh, on Friday night when Clemson was playing against Ohio State. Uh, but for Florida, Demetrius, they need offensive linemen. Dan Mullen said it after signing day, and yes, they did get Austin Barber, but he's not exactly a highly sought-after recruit. He's going to be a project. And with Stone Forsyth going to the NFL, Brett Heggie, uh, certainly looking to improve from Gene DeLance. They just, they need more. They need more. I mean, and SEC, it, it just means more. And and the, <laughs> the thing is, Florida, Florida hasn't, Florida hasn't been great at recruiting offensive linemen over the past couple of years. I mean, Hevesy's in there now, and, and he's getting recruits. And, and, and like you said, all they have is Austin Barber as far as their offensive tackle talents. Yeah, they have, uh, Jake Slaughter, but he's also a guy that wasn't highly thought of, you know, as a center. And then they they, they have another guy who was who actually hi, highly thought of in Yusef, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Moogerbill. Um, as a guard, you know. Moogerbill? Is it? No. I think it's, it's Mooger. Moogerbill. Moogerbill. Moogarbill. Moogarbill? Moogarbill. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> as, as a guard. And, um, the thing is, losing Mo- out on Lay. Mugard Bill. Mugard Bill. That'll right, do it. We got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we got to stop. But um, <laughs> the, just, just just not being able to, to get these guys in, Gene DeLance is clearly, I mean, next year he's not going to be the guy at right tackle. We've already kind of already seen the, the, the writing on the wall, the wall there. Uh, Richard. Garage, I think is how you pronounce his last name, was at left tackle, and then they moved um, Stone, Stone over to, to right. yeah, 
to the right tackle position. Who's going to be playing the right tackle now? Maybe it's Braun. Maybe they're figuring out if Ethan White can move out there. I think they like White inside, though. Michael it's Tarquin, too, the, who they, they put in after they move Stone. Right. Tarquin can come in. So I guess that that would be the projections for next year, which is next year I'm not necessarily worried about next next year's offensive line. I think it's going to be fine. It's 2022, 2023. What are you going to do because you haven't been able to get these guys in there? You have guys that are all projects kind of waiting back who are on the roster. If you go down the roster, you're like, I didn't even know most of these guys were on the team because, you know, you have like 100 offensive linemen on the team and only 10 of them will play over the next three years. So it's just one of those things where they haven't been able to do this successfully and it's going to catch up to them. And, and it's just another recruiting error by Dan Mullen and his coaching staff. And I guess I, I guess we're going to see what's going to happen because, like I said before, the top teams – in recruiting are the ones that are going to be in the national championship. In fact, number one and number two are in the national championship this year. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And l- like we said earlier, losing out on a guy like Gray did hurt that obviously early. So 2022 recruiting is going to be probably the biggest year of recruiting in Dan Mullen's tenure here at Florida. Our parting notes uh, as we record this on Saturday, there have been tweets. There have been reports. Uh, Urban Meyer is supposedly eyeing Jacksonville. Demetrius, you could be in for some primetime games. Uh, with that, Ian Rappaport, who reported the Meyer news, also said that Ryan Day from Ohio State could be a candidate if it's not Meyer in Jacksonville. And, and with that, even a scout, a former scout who's now a media personality, John Middlecoff, came out and said he from what he's heard Dan Mullen would be intrigued by the New York Jets job. I have <laughs> absolutely no clue if that part's true. I think that it's we've talked about it before. We could totally see a reality where Dan Mullen tries to go to the NFL quite frankly sooner rather than later, but I wasn't exactly expecting this year, especially with how they ended the year. It, it just doesn't seem like too many teams would take a risk on that. But regardless, all of this with current and former coach, uh, Florida coaches, Demetrius, mm-hmm. some of your takes. Yeah. Well, first of all, for with the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously, you know, I covered the Jaguars as well as the Gators. So this is a little bit of a crossover episode for me. Um, I've heard about urban Meyer, obviously having interest in, and there's been mutual interest between the Jaguars and Meyer for quite some time, maybe around three weeks or a month ago. And, you know, it, it would be a great hire for Jacksonville. I think that everybody knows Urban Meyer's legacy at Florida, two national championships, a perennial winner. I mean, his last year, I know they went seven and five, but that was his last year. And then the health concerns, obviously, at, at Ohio State, too, where he won a, a national title. So um, it would be a fantastic hire. And I think that uh, as long as he wants to actually go to the NFL or, or go back to coaching, um, then it will be the Jaguars where, where he'll go. I mean, it's the number one overall pick. You got a bunch of cap spaces, probably the most, you know, coveted job right now in the NFL, uh, which is crazy to say, um, yeah. but that would be, that, that would be fantastic on the Ryan day thing. Um, I've actually heard that that's probably not a thing or not going to happen, but you know, I don't know for sure. Don't take that as like a report of me saying that it won't happen. Um, other, otherwise with Dan Mullen, kind of crazy. I, me and you have both talked about this. So we've said that we wouldn't be surprised to see if Dan Mullen uh, does eventually go off and become an NFL head coach. I don't know if it will be with the Jets or if it would be this year, but I have a feeling that he'll be 
going off to uh, head coaching as long as the Florida Gators continue to, to have success uh, within the next couple of years. Yeah, people – my biggest thing with New York and people love to say that Dan's from the north. He hates the cold. He, he said it. He's made fun of himself for hating the cold beyond like 50-degree weather even. <laughs> and, and he has coached in the south for 15 years now. He's a warm-blooded guy. I'm sure Megan, his wife, is as well. His, his kids certainly are. That's all they've ever known. So just from New York, I get it. I get the Fields perspective uh, because Dan certainly liked Justin Fields as he was a recruit right when Dan took the Florida job. Um, so I, I do get that, but I don't know if it's the best scenario. I'm with you, Demetrius, on Ryan Day. Um, mm. I just don't think Jacksonville, the more I think about it, would go for the college coach unless it's Meyer because he is right. such a proven commodity. But otherwise, it, it is like you, it's a premier job. As weird as that mm -hmm. is to say, it's now a premier job. So why would they settle for someone, no offense to Dan Mullen, but a guy that just ended on a three-game losing streak and hasn't really won anything in the SEC? It just wouldn't, right. it, it wouldn't make a ton of sense there. So with Dan, you know, I, I do think he'd leave. I think if he mm -hmm. got the right job offer right now, he would seriously entertain it even. But I don't know if it's there yet because I don't know if a team – will exactly be ready unless they're going to approach it with the cliff Kingsbury, Arizona scenario where they just want the offensive mastermind. The track record doesn't even matter. I mean, he wasn't Kingsbury wasn't retained at Texas tech and he signed to be the offensive coordinator at USC just before taking that job. So it was a bit all over the place and maybe something like that would happen with Dan. There's the Matt rule precedent. He only won one. He didn't even win one, but he was at one new year's six bowl game. So I guess my soapbox rant here is, <laughs> Dan is certainly qualified at this point. There is a precedent. I get why people are pointing to it because NFL teams want these great offensive coaches. There's some great quarterbacks coming out this year, and I'm sure teams will be attracted to the idea of putting one of the top quarterback whisperers, gurus, offensive schemers in college football with him. Absolutely. Teams would you know, love to have a guy like Dan Mullen. And now I think that the only thing holding teams back right now from going after him and, and him being a number one target kind of thing is not only the success or, or lack thereof in, in some aspects with the Gators uh, in terms of maybe national championships only because he's been to three New Year's Six Bowl games, um, but also just the experience and and, and, and him and, and the other candidates that are out there and the right fit. It's just, it's tough, you know. There's only so many NFL jobs, and everybody wants one. So it, for, for Dan Mullen, it would probably have to be a good fit for not only the team, but also for him, like you said. Maybe he wouldn't want to go to New York. Maybe it would be too cold. Maybe he wants to keep his kids in school in Gainesville, or, you know, maybe they like it down here. There's a bunch of different scenarios that point to why he wouldn't come back and then also why he would um, leave. But um, it, it's just a... Uh, it, It'll be interesting to see, and, and and like I said, I think that it's going to be at least next year maybe when he leaves. I, I really do. If, if it's not in this cycle, I think that he could very well leave next year. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best wager. Bearing something crazy yep. this year because it's such a pivotal right. year, make or break almost it feels like with UF with the pressure mounting, even though his seat's not hot. I wouldn't suggest that at all, but no. From the Although I saw I saw some Gator fans calling for um, Dan Mullen to be fired, and I I do not understand that logic at all. Now we've talked either. about Dan.
critically over this season, but there's zero chance that I would, if I was um, Strickland firing, there's not even a, a, a idea in my mind on that. I well, think who that would they've they had replace plenty of success. I don't I have no idea. Plus the buyout, it just none of it makes sense to me. So I think those are just hurt or angry Gator fans because of the recent performance. But it's just, uh, yeah, that's just ludicrous. Yeah, the the house is not on fire just yet. People, that's <laughs> that that's overboard. And my biggest thing, yeah, is who would you replace him with? Because I don't think that Florida is at that point yet where they can go and pick who they want. I mean, whether or not you believe. Dan was the first, second, third option last time around. It's certainly better from that point, but it's not – things aren't set yet to where they could just go and hire whoever they want at this point. And Dan has made this team good enough. You will take the New Year's Six Bowls uh, over really anything else unless you know you can go get that proven commodity. So there's there's no chance of that, people. Get, get that out of your heads if you do think there's any chance of it. And <laughs> – That'll just about do it for us here at Locked On Gators. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Myself at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius Harvey at Demetrius82, and most importantly, the show at Locked On Gators. We will catch up with you guys next time.